we have such interesting days as we fight with our masks and we try to, if you ever watch me, there's a particular order to putting on the mask and then putting on the microphone so that you can get your mask off without getting entangled in your microphone. And today I did not do so well at that. I got tangled in there um, and had my scripture disappear just a moment before I went to get ready to read it. That's always fun. We are continuing this week our sermon series on discipleship. And we're looking at today the role of worship and the gatherings of the church. What is the purpose for us coming together in worship? What is the purpose of us coming together in classes and groups to study and to pray? What is that supposed to do and who are those gatherings for? Um, I want to give a, a shout out today and a big thanks to the Anniston High School football team and their coaches and to Becky Brown for lining up my jersey for me to preach in this morning. <laughs> Earlier they were doing the, the bark <laughs> and Ramsey Whitney went, why do they keep doing that? <laughs> It'll come together in just a little bit. But this week and next week, as we finish up our sermon series on discipleship, we're talking about being part of a team, how we work together, how God makes us one. We've talked about how we have the great commandment to love the Lord our God with everything that we have, how we are then sent to love the people God created in God's image with everything that we have. Our commission to take the good news of Jesus Christ and the fact that we can have that relationship with God to them in the Great Commission. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit gifts that empower us and gift us to do what God has called us to do and how it takes all of us so that we can be a building, a temple of God built together, or another metaphor, the body of Christ with all the different parts that are all important. Today we talk about what that looks like as a team in worship and gathering, and next week we'll talk about what it looks like as a team in the role of the pastors and lay people in discipleship. Our scripture this morning is from the letter of Paul to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I have verse 11 in your digital bulletin. I'm going to read a few verses on beyond that. I'm going to start in verse 11. So continue encouraging each other and building each other up just like you're already doing. Brothers and sisters, we ask you to respect those who are working with you, leading you and instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are disorderly. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Don't suppress the spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to all that is good. Avoid every kind of evil. And now may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
thanks be to God. I gave my thanks for my jersey already. So we're focusing on being a team player. And I'm going to apologize to you up front. Not for the content of the sermon you're about to hear, but for the fact that it's necessary. I'm apologizing for clergy that I have been in the past, for clergy you've had in the past, who did not challenge you with the biblical view of worship. And so for some of you today, I'm aware that I'm going to step on your toes. And I said, maybe God ordained a little bit of a rainy day so they could actually throw rotten tomatoes at me. Or so it would be easy to wash them off if they do. We have not always preached the full message of God to our congregations. Part of that has been because we've been afraid, afraid that if we do, you will do what congregations do. You will vote with your feet and your pocketbooks. And if you don't hear something you like, you might not come back. Now, we have a little bit, just a little bit of insulation in the United Methodist system in that we are a send system instead of a call system. In a lot of churches where they locally hire their pastor, if their pastor doesn't say what they want to hear said, they can just ship him out just as quickly as they hired him. You're at least stuck with me to next appointed here. But you don't have to come. You don't have to contribute You don't have to be happy if you're not liking what you've heard. And as I said, I have been as guilty as other pastors have in the past of not wanting to preach a message that I thought was difficult. To be honest, it was simply cowardice on my part to do so. Because you deserve to hear the truth and the gospel preached to you. Much like a parent that we know the good parents are not the ones that always make the children happy because that's how they end up eating cookies for breakfast and never eating a vegetable until they're an adult and their doctor says, you're going to die if you don't eat a vegetable. The good parent is the one who sometimes disciplines, who sometimes says no. And that's very much what pastors and leaders in congregations get to step into that role. Paul talks about believers in one of his churches who you ought to now be eating milk but you're still you ought to be eating meat but you're still needing milk there and so I apologize to you for all the times that we have prioritized your preference over preaching prophetically and fully to you let's talk about the nature and the purpose of worship In the American church, in the American Christian church, we have become decidedly spectator in the way we conduct church. You can come and sit and observe a worship service and never participate much in it. You can come week after week after week very often and hear the music and hear the sermon and leave not being shaped and formed by the message that you have heard And we have praised you for coming and sitting. But Christianity is not an attendance to be checked off. It is a lifestyle to be embraced. It is following Jesus with all your days and all your moments to constantly become more like him. What we often fall into the pattern of thinking is that we, 
who are up here, we're worshiping and you're observing. But that's not the way worship is designed to be at all. We are worshiping for an audience of one. What we do when we gather for worship is supposed to be to praise God. To come and put God back at the center and the focus of our hearts and our lives. And we do that with one hour every single week. Think of all the other things and the number of hours that other things pour into you. To the music you listen to on the radio. To the friends that you work beside or hang out with. To the news that you watch on TV that gets dozens of hours a week to form you. And once a week, we do the most countercultural thing in the world. We come to say, particularly as American Christians, it's not about me. There's something bigger than me. And that is the God who created me, who redeemed me who loved me, who's given me a purpose and a call to go share that love with the world, who has appointed me to be an ambassador of his kingdom coming on earth. Every week we pray the Lord's Prayer and say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Worship is our preparation to go be part of making that happen in the world around us. It's often hard, though, for us to think about that. There is an author and former pastor, Francis Chan. He's now, um, I think, doing consulting more than pastoring. He has a little bit harder tone and harsher way of putting things than I ever would. But he talks about after a worship service, a woman coming up to him and going, I didn't like any of that. Didn't like that music. Didn't like your message. Didn't like the lighting. Didn't like the temperature in the room. I I didn't like that. And he went, well, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. And he says, when we come and say, what am I going to get today? And when we leave with the critique of, I didn't like the music, I didn't like the sermon, I didn't like the temperature, I didn't like... We've come with the wrong attitude. We come to worship, to come into the presence of God, to offer all of who we are to the holy God who creates and redeems, who heals and sins and loves. We don't come for what we get out of it. We come for what we bring to God in this moment. And we are part of a team. We're in this together. It's not us who worship and you get to watch and you've attended and you've done your part. What we do every single week is try to craft an experience where you can connect with God. I wish you understood how many hours go in to the planning of a worship service. Hours and hours and hours of that digging through music to find what we have the choir practicing. What can they be ready for and will it fit with the Sunday we'd like to do it? to the praise team, looking through songs, learning them and rehearsing them, to sound people who come out in the rain at 6 and 7 a.m. to hook things up and get ready and warm up. And did you know that the seminary standard for a sermon is that there will be an investment of about one hour for every minute of the sermon that is delivered? 
And I will tell you that when you trim that sermon from 20 to 25 minutes to 15, you will invest extra time in crafting that message carefully to get it ready to be delivered. And then when it's like a a morning like today, you will agonize over it for the last week. Of will they hear what I'm willing to say? Will they be willing to receive it? Offered in love and offered in their best interest. Let's have an honest moment for a second. Today is my 64th worship service with y'all since I was appointed the first Sunday of July 2020. Now, twice I have had people say to me, I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. I believe I have seen it on some of your faces and in the way you have responded in the moments of worship. And we have about three or four members who are really good to tell us when they saw something they thought was well done. But there has not been a single one of these 64 weeks that someone has not been unhappy upset or critical with something that we've done. It's incredibly demoralizing to week after week after week struggle to try to craft and create something that helps you know God is present with us and loves you so dearly and wants you to experience the fullness of his grace and mercy and have you only have focused on what you didn't like. And what didn't help you connect. Worship is not here to entertain you. And that's part of what I've apologized for. About two and a half generations ago, churches began to compete for members. Prior to that, most Americans went to church because you were supposed to go to church. And then we discovered that if you didn't go to church on Sunday, you didn't see a whole lot happen. Like God didn't strike you with lightning or, or anything. And we began to have other things. Businesses began to open. That's been in my lifetime. And so churches began to say, I can't just be enough to love them and be in their community. I have to try to get them to come to my church instead of others. So my preaching needs to be more charismatic, more outgoing, more entertaining to listen to. I need to come up with a constant barrage of sermon series that reignites them every time there's a change in sermon series. Our music needs to be entertaining to them. And we lost our focus on what we were supposed to do, which was get you in God's presence so the Holy Spirit could work out of you the things that didn't belong there and nurture the things that do. We're not here to entertain you. Our church is not a music conservatory. This is not a concert. This is not a TED Talk. Let me encourage you, if that's you, focus on what you can bring. I've learned to worship in a lot of different environments. I have my preferences as well. My favorite worship service of the year is the ordination service at annual conference, and it is high church. It is every clergy in our conference who shows up in their robe with their red stole. We process in. We sing lift high the cross and you have clergy voices that just make the room boom. But everything has a particular pattern. There's a particular reason for doing each thing there. And then we get some new people in the presence of God and we ask them to take a vow 
and to promise to serve God with their life. And we have a message preached to us that challenges us once again to look at who we are in God. Oh, I love all of that. The organ, the candles, the procession, the robes. That's my preference. Do you know what? I've also had incredibly powerful worship experiences in a bluegrass service. If you know me, bluegrass makes my eye twitch, like right there. But when I could move beyond that and watch the joy of the people who were offering their gifts up front and the people who were receiving it and tapping their toe, and I thought, they're worshiping. I've worshiped here on a Sunday evening as we sang hymns and called them out. And you heard once again the words of those songs. I've experienced it in a Greek Orthodox church in Birmingham where they didn't say anything but the greeting in English. And I was constantly, oh, oh, we're sitting, okay. Oh, now we're kneeling, okay, now standing, okay. But I experienced the presence of God. When we were in Israel, we wandered into a church and everyone is watching the beautiful pictures on the side and there always seemed to be a worship service going on while the tourists came through. Try to imagine what that would be like. We're having worship and there's a line of people coming to to fish right over here. But they seem to have gotten kind of used to that and didn't let it bother them too much. But I got caught up in worship in this church because I recognized a very similar cadence and I realized they were praying the Lord's Prayer. And I sat down and just got caught up in the presence of God. I believe we can find God in any and all situations in which we are willing to let ourselves. Let the goal when you come to worship be to find the presence of God anew. To surrender more to the power of God in you to transform you. If we were talking about this being a team, worship is almost like the pep rally. Not because each person in the gym at the pep rally gets to be the center of attention, but because they all focus on the game. We want to, we want to boost our players because they're going to go play and we want them to win the game. The cheerleaders encourage people, the people in the stands, yes, to go win the game. When we gather for worship, we recenter ourselves on God so that we can leave and go win the game, which is taking the love of God to the world. What doesn't happen is the players don't tell the coach how to coach. They don't quit the team because they didn't like the outcome of this week's game. We have to stop being part of the critical commentators and join the team. Be part of the team making it happen. I believe if we are too focused on criticizing, we need to give you a volunteer role on Sunday morning. Greet somebody, talk to somebody, join the praise team, join the choir, join the greeters, read scripture. Participate more, and you'll find yourself more satisfied with what you experience. We worship, we gather to experience the presence and power of God so that we might take it to the world. Let's get on Team God and take our mission to the world. Let's pray.
Gracious and almighty God, forgive us as those who are called to lead in worship and all of us who are called into your love and grace to be worshipers for not focusing on you. Reset and restructure our minds so that we come to offer you our very best in word, in song, in thought. Shape us and form us into your image and send us out to love this world in the name of Jesus Christ. That when we have finished this race, you can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. As we ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.